If you have your Bibles this morning and you would continue to find uh, the book of Mark with us as we have been going verse by verse through the book of Mark. And as you're finding that, I have a card that I would like to read to you this morning. Thank you, Ten Mile family, for showing us love with the passing of Dad. The prayers, flowers, calls, texts, food, gifts, and your presence at his visitation and funeral meant so very much. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And that is from the Kathy and Dave Crane family at the passing of Kathy's dad. And so you continue to pray for them. And if you're a guest with us or if you're new, you say, well, Jake, why do you read thank you cards? Because it is a reminder to us, no matter how big we get, no matter how many services that we have, uh, that you matter and that your life matters. And what's going on in the valleys and on the mountaintops should matter to one another. When we started the book of Mark, I never dreamed that when we got to chapter 6, we would be where we were. I knew preparing weeks and months and months ago that Mark 6 is a pretty difficult chapter because Jesus shows up to his hometown and is totally rejected. They don't care about him. They don't listen to him. And he had been there once before and they tried to kill him. And so we dealt with the hardness of heart that can come when rejection happens. Then last week we looked at how he had been sending the disciples. It was their time to shine. He was sending them out into the surrounding regions to preach and to work miracles. And he said, but if people reject you or don't listen to you, just dismiss them. And how the tendency when we are rejected, even in the good times, can cause us to harden our hearts. And then right in the middle of this chapter, you go from Jesus being rejected, the disciples possibly being rejected. You see the story of John the Baptist and being beheaded. And so you look at this chapter and you think, boy, that is a lot of excitement. That is a a lot of positivity to be dealing with there, right in the middle of everything. And if you remember in chapter 5, we're seeing all the miracles of Jesus, all the good times, all the blessings. Everything seems to be going better than it could possibly go. And then chapter 6, right here in the middle. Never would have dreamed that when we got to chapter 6, our own church would be going through one of these moments of trial, tribulation, difficulty. Just a few months ago, a young man was driving to work one night, was in a head-on collision. I'm so thankful this morning to tell you that he is here today. Just a few weeks ago, you and I were made painfully aware of the tragic accident in Phoenix. And so we stand there and think, right in the middle of all this good, here is difficulty. Then last week, a gentleman from our church, just driving home from work, was hit in a head-on collision and is still in the hospital And so not only those traumatic things that happen that you don't expect, but the loss of loved ones, the diagnosis of cancer, the marriage struggles, the financial burdens, all that goes on in life, it is easy sometimes for us to let those things affect us and begin to harden our heart. The whys, the why did it happen to me, why is it affecting us? It is very easy to look at a chapter like chapter 6 and think, well, it's just an accident that we're here. Or Jake, you timed it just perfectly for us to be here. 
Well, if you've been here very long, you know that when we start a chapter, we go word by word, verse by verse, line by line. We don't stop for Christmas. We don't stop for Easter. We don't stop for your birthday. Verse by verse, word by word, trusting that God has us in a place for a reason. And so this morning as we look at John the Baptist, I want to remind you that what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Because as we enter this Christmas season, we should be be celebrating the fact that Jesus has come. But yet all of our hope is not only built up in the fact that He has come, but that He is coming back again. And for those churches and denominations that celebrate Advent and really put an emphasis on that, that's the intent. It is to celebrate His coming, but look forward to the fact that He's coming again. That this broken, sinful world that we struggle with is not the answer. But listen to what Jesus said about John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11. He said these words, starting in verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's house. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of woman, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The greatest ever born of a woman before Jesus. Not greater than Jesus, but up until that point, the greatest. And so you would think nothing bad can happen to him. No trial and tribulation can fall him. He he must have everything the way that it should be. Well, today, if you know about John the Baptist, you know that's not the truth. That he went through an ending that no one wants to go through. But yet that did not define his worth. And you and I have to be reminded this Christmas season that no matter what gifts we can give or we do get, no matter what loss we have been through or will be through, no matter what difficulties we face, we cannot let that define who we are. We have to believe what God says about us. That if we're a child of God, we're forgiven. That if we're a child of God, we're a new creation. If we're a child of God, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If we're a child of God, He has prepared a place for us. If we're a child of God, one day He is coming back to take us to that place. You see, you and I have to know what we believe and who we believe in the difficult moments and in the victories. And if what Satan and the circumstances that we are in define us, our hearts will grow cold. Our response will become broken. And so when we come to this chapter of the sixth chapter of Mark, starting in 14, if you're taking notes this morning, uh, please write this down. When God is working, people will notice. 
When God is working, people will notice. Starting in verse 14. Now King Herod heard of him. Of who? Jesus. Alright, King Herod has heard about all that Jesus and his disciples are doing. For his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead. And therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. Now, this is very important because why? Herod is the one that had put him to death. And he's worried a dead man has come back to life. A dead man is accomplishing great things. If he can conquer death, what if he comes for me? But it goes on in verse 16 and says, But when Herod heard, he said, This is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So John the Baptist is preaching at Herod. Because Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife, who actually was his niece, and had married her. And John the Baptist had been preaching from the book of Leviticus, most likely, that you can't do this. You're not supposed to intermarry with people like this and this situation and and all of these circumstances. And if you want to upset anybody, you just preach on what biblical marriage is and what biblical fidelity is and, and all of those things. And you watch. But what he was doing was just preaching the truth. You can't do this. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's wicked. Some translations will say continuously. Every chance he got... He preached, and then after he got arrested, he kept preaching it. He kept preaching it in jail. He kept preaching it to his Herodias' wife. He kept preaching it to Herod. Anyone that would listen, there he went. Why? Because John the Baptist knew the Word of God mattered. He was called to proclaim the Word of God, to tell the nation of Israel, to tell the people living in Israel, to what? Repent, turn from your wicked ways and trust in Him. But Herod notices that something is going on. And so now he's reflecting back on what had happened. So we're seeing the story of something that has already happened and Herod is scared. Now this matters because when God is working and moving, sometimes it looks amazing. Sometimes it's 30-some people were saved in a migrant ministry. Sometimes it's nine straight weeks of people being saved. Some of it's the fact that your wife's still put up with you after all of these years. Whatever it may be. Sometimes it's God working miracles in the brokenness of situations. God protecting. God doing things in situations that we don't see possible. But let me see, show you this, that Jesus told the religious leaders of His day that you will never be without excuse. God will continue to work, continue to show, continue to move, even if you and I choose not to acknowledge it. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus said these words, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you built the tombs of the prophets and adorn monuments of the righteous, and say, 
If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. So they would want to go worship at the tomb of Elijah or Isaiah or Jeremiah. And they would say, now our parents were wicked. Our grandparents were wicked. But if I had been alive then, I would not have done that. And friends, that's pride. And you and I are guilty of the same thing. When we look at someone living in their sin and brokenness and shame and say, well, I wouldn't respond that way. I wouldn't have acted that way. I wouldn't have been like that. I wouldn't struggle with that. And friends, what we do is, is we take the witness that God has given us and we trample on its mercy and its grace. But look what it says in verse 31. Therefore you are witnesses against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. And some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. He knew they were devising a plan to kill him. He knew the disciples, once they, uh, he went to heaven, they would be persecuted. We know from church history, almost all of the disciples, except for John, the apostle John, were, were murdered, were executed for their faith. We know that early Christians were persecuted by the Roman Empire on the wishes of the Jewish people. And so what we see here is Jesus is saying that we've all sinned. We all fall short. But yet when God is at work, when God is moving, you have an opportunity to believe, to respond, to see what God is doing, the miracles that He's working, the truth that He is presenting. Second thing I want to show you this morning is when God is working, people must respond. When God is working, people must respond. Look what it says here in verse 19. Therefore, so because John was willing to preach the truth to the government official regardless of what it cost him, if he was willing to preach to the nation of Israel regardless of what it cost him, therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. You see, we look here in this passage of Scripture and we see two people. One who their sin and the preaching against their sin causes them to hate the truth. And friends, you should not be surprised when the Word of God speaks on the issues of sin in our day. Whether it is pornography, whether it is the sin of premarital sex, whether it is the sin of homosexuality, whether it is the sin of unbiblical divorce and remarriage, that when it is preached, that it causes great emotion. Because why? The Word of God is powerful. The Bible says it is like a two-edged sword. It pierces into the very being of who we are. And it's not just sexual sin. 
It can be your pride. It can be your dishonesty. It can be your, your anger. Whatever sin that you are having, when the Word of God is at work, when the power of God is at work, it is presenting you the truth for you to respond. And so she hated him. She was sick of hearing it. She was tired of all of the fact that she was being preached against because of what she had done. Did you notice there in the verses before that she was not called Herod's wife? She was still called Philip's wife. That is because why? Mark wants you to know that even though she had broken the covenant, even though he had broken the covenant, that that's not how God sees things. Friends, it doesn't matter what the government tells you. It doesn't matter what a piece of paper tells you. When you make a covenant, it is with your spouse before who? God. That is why marriage matters. That is why the sanctity of marriage matters. That is why God can forgive and still work in these situations, but we must do it His way. But look what else it says here. We see another response. We see Herod. Herod knew that there was something different about John. Herod knew that he was a godly man. He knew that the truth of God was upon him. And did you see that? He received hearing it Gladly. And so Herod protects this man from his wife. Herod protects John from the wrath of Herodias. Now this is so important because we see a person by all accounts who from the outside you would think is hearing and believing the truth. Gladly he wants to listen to John. Well what's John talking about? His sin. John's not just talking about random things, the weather and the college football playoffs. and the No, he's talking about the fact that you and your wife are living in sin. And it says he heard him gladly. I think we've looked at some of those in the parables of the soil. Those who hear and immediately begin to respond, but yet the different Soil and the different way it goes into the ground, but once the problems of life come, it what? It dies. So we see a person here who is willing to listen, is willing to hear, but yet it hasn't changed him. You see, that's why Paul told Timothy when facing difficult times and difficult situations in 2 Timothy chapter 4, these words. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. If you want to know what it likes to be faithful in difficult situations, keep sharing God's Word. Parents, Keep sharing God's Word to your children, even if they're adults, even if they don't want to hear it. Your opinion can change nothing, but the Word of God never returns void. When you're talking to your coworkers, your opinion can change nothing, but the Word of God never returns void. Void. That is what is so discouraging for me about preaching in America today. It is all about what a writer wrote. It's all about what a book said. It's all about what this said. And what the Bible promised to honor was this. 
the preaching of this book about the Lord Jesus Christ, that it is the power to save. It is the power to change lives. It is the power to give hope. It is the power to give encouragement. It is the power to give correction through the Holy Spirit. And so why do I preach verse by verse, word by word, line by line, when I know some of you don't like it? Because God promised to use it. God promises to honor it. God promises to show you the truth when the messenger is fallen. The messenger is inadequate. The messenger is a mess. The word of God is faithful. Third and final thing. Responding in our heart leads to action. Responding in our heart leads to action. You see, Herod and his wife had two different reactions here. One was hatred. One was almost a willingness to give it a chance. But when push to come, push comes to shove. Look what it says in verse 21. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a great feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee. That means everybody that was somebody was there. The Jews weren't big birthday celebrators, but the Romans used it as an opportunity, especially for men, to commit every kind of indecent act you could. Drunkenness, uh, uh, women, everything that can get you in trouble, it was as big and as extravagant as it could be. And he gave a feast for all these important people. And look in verse 22. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in, and danced, and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl. Now, just for a quick minute here, most people view this as his stepdaughter, but even no matter what it is, this is not the kind of dancing that you would want. All right, this is not some innocent, wonderful, beautiful, no. It would have been inappropriate, suggestive, and very much in the sexual nature. And this is his stepdaughter. And he is parading her in front of all of these drunken men who are in a bad mental state, a bad everything, and this is what is appropriate. That is the wickedness and the, the ungodliness of what you are seeing in this passage of Scripture. And listen to his response. The king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. Now if we know anything about Herod, it really wasn't his to give. He was just a Roman puppet. But in that moment of pride and arrogance and boasting and everyone looking at him, everyone celebrating him, and if you've ever been at a drunken party, which I know you were all godly and amazing and wonderful and white as the driven snow, but when alcohol and pride get involved, liars are made, all right? Or liars are revealed. And so in his moment of boasting, his moment of drunkenness, he says, I am the most powerful man. Everything I have, it's yours if you want it, up to half of everything. Look what it says in verse 24. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. 
Immediately she came in. Now don't miss that. Immediately. She didn't think about it. Mark uses this word many times. Immediately. She came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet because of the oath and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a plowder and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and lay it in a tomb. And he said, Jake, this is the worst Christmas message I've ever heard, possibly. But John the Baptist was sent to announce the coming of the Messiah. And he did it. And he did it faithfully. He did it obediently. But yet from our earthly standpoint, we look at him and would say, that is a failure. That, how can that be what God wants ending up like that? But yet it was. And today I want to encourage you with something. I want to challenge you with something. Are you serving God based on the results? Or are you serving Him based on who He is? And no matter what the results are, no matter if it looks successful, if it looks hard, if it looks difficult, if it looks challenging, if it looks victorious, that those are up to Him. I'm just going to be faithful. How does that look in the life of a Christian? That means the way I love my wife does not depend on her. The way you love your husband doesn't depend upon him. It is built and birthed out of a love for God and the love that he has for you. How do you love your children? How do you raise them? Children, how do you listen to your parents? It's not based on either one of those two. It's based out of the love that I have for him that I want to please God. What kind of employee are you at work? You say, Jake, my employee, my company's wicked. My boss is an idiot. My co-workers are the devil's uh, understudies. Look up here. The way you work is not for them, but it is to do all things unto the Lord. You say, well, Jake, what does it matter if I cheat on my taxes? The government's a joke anyway. I agree with you. And if you want to spend hours talking about the government, you catch me anytime and I'll be more than happy to participate. But yet the Bible says, render... To Caesar. And so I'm not going to give up my integrity, my desire to love God and honor Him and obey Him for the sake of just a few extra dollars in my pocket. You see, that's the question I ask you today because what the world would says is get as much as you can, take as much advantage as you can, accumulate as much as you can, and what God says is are you willing to be faithful no matter the cost? Are you willing to let God deal with your heart and life no matter the cost? Are you willing to be faithful and obedient to God even if the results don't look impressive? You say, well, Jake, what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, I would say this. Jesus came and was born in a manger. The world said that was not successful. He, he lived a sinless, perfect life that was obedient to the Father, but yet the world looked at him and said, he's a friend of drunkards and tax collectors. And that's not successful. 
He went to the cross and died taking your sin and my sin, taking our place that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve and dying, but yet the world looked at him and the religious leaders looked at him and said, if you could save others, save yourself. He was put in a tomb that wasn't even his. The world says that doesn't look like a success. But then we know, we know that it was a success because the tomb is empty. But the Jewish people looked at Jesus as a failure. That's why they rejected him. They were expecting a Messiah to come and restore the kingdom of Israel. And when he didn't come to restore the kingdom of Israel the way that they wanted him to, they rejected him. And friends, while we're not the kingdom of Israel, I want to say this. When things don't work out the way that we think they should, that's the same thing we do to God. Lord, I don't understand why this happened to me. It's not fair. It's not right. It doesn't make sense. I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to believe you. I'm going to reject you. That's why the Romans chapter 1 says it like this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. If you have been exposed to the truth, if you have heard the truth, if God has given you the opportunity to know the truth and you reject it and suppress it, the Bible says the wrath of God is coming. And so this morning for me, I have to trust God. When His Word says to trust Him, I have to trust Him. When His Word says to believe Him, I have to believe Him. And so that applies in two ways and I'll be done. One for you that are here that are lost that have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking how much money you give, how many times you've taken the Lord's Supper, what your parents' title was in the church or yours. But the question is, the fact that Jesus loved you, He died for you, He was buried, He rose again, have you repented and trusted Him as your Lord and Savior? Because today through the preaching of this message, through the preaching of the gospel, you have been exposed to the truth. And today you can be saved. You can repent and believe. For you as a Christian today, if you're a child of God, you've already made that decision. You belong to Him. But friends, are you trusting Him? Are you like Herod? You, you, you are glad to be at church. You're glad to hear the message. You like to sing the songs. But when the week comes and it's time to put my faith into action, I'll do it, but I won't do it at school because I don't want to be made fun of. I'll be, I'll be a Christian at church, but I won't be one at work because do you know, Jake, what happens to the guy that doesn't make googly eyes over the woman at the water cooler? Jake, I'll do it here, but do you know what it's going to cost me to be honest on my taxes as the year comes to an end? Herod was glad to hear, but yet he loved something more than Jesus. He loved something more than the message John was preaching, the pleasing of other people. That's why the Bible says that seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. 
The book of John tells us, starting in John chapter 3, these words, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. For whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that... Excuse me. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who's not does believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the life, that his deeds may be clearly seen, and that they have been done in God. That was Herod's problem. The light came and he didn't want any part of it. Herodias had an opportunity to hear the truth, but didn't want any of it. And today the same thing is true for us. Here the truth comes. Here the plan and purposes of God is. What will I do with it? How will I let it affect me? How will I let it deal with my heart? Will I harden my heart? Or will I willingly accept and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to rely on you. God, I know that you are faithful. And friends, in that moment, you and I can begin to see what God is trying to do through us. If you would pray with us as you stand. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, today we know that each and every one of us struggle with sin, struggle with the purposes and plans that you have for us so many times. Today, Lord, we pray that you would help us to know that once we are forgiven, Lord, that we are forgiven. Lord, help us today not to overlook our sin, to explain away our sin, but Lord, today, truly, under the power of the Spirit and your Word, Lord, you would deal with each and every one of us. Father, today we pray that you would help us not to believe the lies that Satan convinces us that we're too broken, that our past is too bad, that our failures are too big. Lord, that you cannot love someone like us. Lord, help us to know that even though we are sinners, we can be forgiven. Lord, even though we have no hope on our own, that you are hope. And so today, Lord, I pray for that person that's here that doesn't know you, that's never trusted you, that today would be that day. Father, for that believer that's struggling in their their walk with you, they're trusting you, they're dealing with the sins in their life that have come in, Lord, even after being saved, Lord, that you would deal with each and every one of us today. And Lord, that you'd help us to trust you, to rely on you, and to believe you, no matter the results. And Lord, I just thank you so much for the privilege of being here, worshiping together. And Lord, I just ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.